ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. The Clemson Tigers are back in the college football rankings for the first time since week two, coming in at number 24 tonight after a 31-20 win over the North Carolina Tar Heels in Death Valley on Saturday night. Clemson is now 7-4 and four of the season, and life is good. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast, everyone. Ben and Cody here with you tonight, here to recap the uh, Clemson's victory over the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, Cody, great to see you, man. This is the first time I've talked to you since we were both at the Notre Dame game together. Um, one, what a great experience that was. Um, I think none of us, nobody there at the game going into it really thought Clemson had a chance to win that one. And lo and behold, um, halftime comes and we're looking at each other like, damn, we might actually win this game. It was a, it was a fantastic game. and It was one of the better ones that I've, ever been to that includes you know my time as a student uh some of the playoff games and uh yeah and some of the games that i've been to since graduation it, it was i th- and you know credit to you i mentioned it on a couple podcasts ago you uh you, I, you guess i guess you got us a wedding slash baby gift uh by buying some some uh really nice seats uh, it was like you know 10 12 rows up it, it, great great atmosphere great environment and had a great time yeah, and I definitely overpaid for that. So keep that in mind the next time I get married and or if I have kids. Yeah, noted. You're free to return the favor. We'll let the, the bank account kind of replenish after, um, you know, this first kid of yours. So, um, yeah, man, it was a great time. And it really was, you know, obviously a turnaround for the Clemson program this season. Um, at that point, you're coming off the loss to really bad losses to Miami and North Carolina State. Certainly concerned going into the Notre Dame game, especially um, with what you had just seen out of the team. And even the Wake Forest win before that, the 17-12 to victory was really ugly. Um, but since that game, and, you know, we can talk about Tyler from Spartanburg all we want that really turns out that probably had no effect on things. But still, it's a really pivotal moment in this Clemson team turning it around this season. So kind of looking back on that and where we are now, um, it's been a, obviously a difficult season for Dabo. Um, I've mentioned before on this show that, you know, obviously we, we've seen how bad things can get with this team this season. We've predicted things that we've saw, have seen for a couple of years now that could possibly lead to this. But I, I still believe, and I posit that Dabo saw all these things coming prior to that. So I think he knew how bad it could get. Um, and from all accounts, and I've heard this from, two people now that you know it's obviously this is hearsay but are usually right when i when i hear these things that Dabo really lit into the team after that uh nc state loss and it was the players it was the coaches and he really lit a fire under him and that was prior um or the the day earlier i think that monday uh returning to practice after the game prior to that whole tyler call um 
So obviously Dabo has seen these things and lo and behold, it worked. You know, just when you're down on Dabo, you're down on the team and you're really questioning, he comes out, um, gets the team fired up and they pull off three great wins in a row um, against all three good teams, two of which were ranked Notre Dame 15th and North Carolina 20. So I think here as fans, just as we can, um, you know, get a little too emotional with the losses that I want to temper our expectations with these wins, but you still have to like what you've seen since that North Carolina state game. Yeah, Dabo really has a way of, of galvanizing the team. And that's something you have to give him, you have to give him credit. So for one, he said something in the Tyler uh, rant that I thought was really, it was kind of a, a something only Dabo Sweeney could say where he, he didn't get, overly arrogant in his in his remarks but he said everything i've done i've been great at I, I've, I've succeeded at and he, he started with you know i've been a great father a great husband that sort of thing but i, I thought for a second yeah he's he actually has everything he's ever done he's been great at and everything he probably ever will do he's been he's been great at and that's exactly the attitude you want from your coach so uh i, I still ha- you know i maybe i don't have all my stock in clemson football at the moment but i, I would put all the stock in the world on, on Dabo, and i I think he, he's kind of re uh, he, he's he's shown Clemson fans who he is and he's not Tommy Bowden because there's been years in the past when Tommy Bowden the sinking ship would have just kept sinking and Dabo he's got a way of, of rallying players they don't give up on him so I think if nothing else nothing else we could say for this season and this team like they 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 they're gonna fight till the end and I, I think the season uh, as bleak as it was after uh, Miami and, and NC State. I think he salvaged the season in a way, in a, in a strange way. I think he's done that. Yeah, I think that's a really good comparison to Tommy Bowden because, you know, there's some very Tommy Bowden-esque losses um, when you look back on the schedule this year. But to be able to turn this team around um, at, at that, what really a low point and probably the lowest point in his coaching career at Clemson, you know, Obviously, it took some time to build this program up to where it was in the 2015 season, but, you know, there was progress all along the way, and the standard hadn't been set yet. <clears throat> but after that, you know, the run from 15 to 20, there was an established standard, and I think that's what fans were reacting to, and what we saw this year on the field um, did not live up to that standard. Now, there were really high hopes and expectations, um, obviously, DJ transferring, People were excited what they would see out of Cade Klubnik. Um, they were expecting Garrett Riley to come in here and instantly turn around the offense. And that just never materialized. And it was obvious there's still some, you know, there were some still kinks to work out. There was some development to be had. And this wasn't going to be a one-year turnaround process. And we're still not there yet, right? There's a lot of things to work on and improve. Um, but for for him... Uh, and well, I think the other thing that it reinforces too is that you know we always talk about how he praises in public and criticizes in private, and so we know that he really lit into this team. But that all comes from like sources with sources with sources adjacent to the program. That's not coming out of Dabo's mouth. And you know we get um, as fans we get a little frustrated by the coach speak sometime, but. That kind of coach speak, I think, really goes a long way to keeping the players, keeping the locker room and not losing them, right, and keeping team morale up. And the result is we've strung off three wins in a row, whereas if you're out there bashing your guys in public, that you probably don't get that. So I think there's a lot to be said and credit to be given uh, for that. And maybe that teaches us a lesson that we should 
be a little bit less frustrated when we're getting that coach speak. I don't think that's ever going to weigh, but you know, there is lessons to be learned from that. And actions do speak louder than words. So, you know, for one, the performance kind of speaks for itself. It, 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 you can make the argument if you really let into the guys, you know, after Notre Dame, or I'm sorry, before Notre Dame, had he not been, you know, really, you know, pushing, pushing things, pushing coaches, you know, making them feel a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, had he not been doing that before? And, and I would say, because actions do speak louder than words, there's still probably some cleanup that needs to happen in the offseason. And I suppose we can talk about that towards the end of the show. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. And, you know, I, I don't want us to get distracted by the three W's that, you know, we're seeing on this schedule and then the rankings next to a couple of the teams because, you know, listen, this is still a really, on paper, really talented Clemson football program. Um, and, you know, Notre Dame had its weak spots, um, specifically on offense, as it turns out. And North Carolina does not have a great defense, right? So, yeah, those are big wins for the program this season. But, <clears throat> you know, that North Carolina game, Dabo always likes to tell us how, you know, we're one or two or three plays away from being undefeated. That was certainly a game for North Carolina's perspective. They were one or two plays away from maybe going ahead and blowing us out. They could have gone up 14 to nothing. Um, you know, before that, that, that fumble at the goal line where Wiggins came back and just chased the guy down. There were a lot of pivotal plays and it could have, yeah, it could have been 21, nothing in the first quarter, but yeah. It, and and can this Clemson team and this Clemson offense bounce? Could they have bounced back from that? Like we haven't really seen that ability all year long. Well, in North Carolina is a good team, you know, we'll talk about them, but they're, they're a good team. <laughs> Flawed for sure, but I, I still think it's a good win. And it, I, there's something about it. It's a, it's a gimmick or it's cliche, excuse me. But it, you make your own luck. Clemson wasn't making any luck for itself earlier in the season. So there's something to be said for these turn, forcing the turnovers and getting the ball to bounce your way. Now getting a few calls from the ref. I don't know. You know, we, you know I guess we're the beneficiary there, but we did make some of our own luck, and there's something to be said for that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, that. You know, turnovers t tell the tale of the game. And again, I think the encouraging part about it is, you know, when you win the turnover battle, even if you don't execute um, in all phases of the game at 100%, um, if you have a more talented team um, and play solid football, you can over, you know, overcome those things and still get big, big wins like this. So uh, certainly great to see the the Tiger team turn around um you know, the turnover margin and now they're plus whatever we are on the year. It's probably still at plus one because actually in this game, um, the turnovers were equal. We forget, we forget about the Tyler Davis fumble in that punt. Um, but even with that, you know, Clemson was able to overcome some adversity over um, early on, pull together some drives um, on offense and the defense really just locked down in this game. And, I think more than anything this season, um, again, I it got to the point where it was so bad on offense that no matter how good the defense was, if the offense is just giving the ball away and, and giving up points, there's nothing that defense can do. Now the last few games, the defense has really allowed the offense um, to, you know, acclimate into the game and slowly get rolling. Um, and when they have clicked, they've, they have for a few drives. We weren't seeing that necessarily earlier in the season in several of the games. Yeah, the defense, I mean, the, the defense really played well. Uh, and 
there's something to be said for, you know, not having an offense that's even playing, it's not competent and how that must mentally kind of exhaust the defense and because the defense has another gear and I don't, I still think there's a little bit left to be desired. That's been a little nitpicky, but the defense at, at times played, it looked a lot closer to an elite Brent Venables defense Saturday than I, than I've seen probably all year. And gets and gets probably the number one overall pick at quarterback, you know, so you got to, got to take that into account. It's a good offense. Yeah. And I would think certainly the number one overall pick, um, in the draft this coming season, um, Amarian Hampton hadn't fumbled all year. Um, two critical fumbles in this game. Uh, and they've got really good wide receivers. Um, uh, Tez Walker. I mean, everything as advertised and him and Wiggins had some battles in this game. You know, it wasn't a Wiggins win every time, um, but limit him to four catches for 70 yards. Um, you know, brilliant play by the defense to do that. Um, and again, the offense just not shooting themselves in the foot. Though, again, we come back to this theme that we've talked about throughout this year, kind of the, the coaching, coaching mistakes, coaching, coaching decisions. Um, that fake punt, I remember sitting there watching the game and saying to myself as we were lining up, remembering the fake punt from the Georgia Tech game, thinking to myself, now, this would be a great time for a fake punt. And I know by just me thinking that, that was a dead giveaway that it was going to happen. Because I'm sure Mac Brown was saying the same thing. They knew that in their minds from last game. Clemson had been practicing that. It was such a poor decision in the Georgia Tech game. This one almost seemed so obvious that they were ready for it. Well, that and Dabo is, he, I, I'd love to see his, his hit rate on those calls, I have to think it's well below 50%. You'd like to think it's at least 50%, if not like 60 or 70. Uh, but he's so bad at that. You know, of all the things he's great at, man, making making these special teams fake punt plays, uh, he's just never, never seems to be able to, to pick them. Uh, and, to, and also, it's like it's fourth and one. Just get, you got Phil Moffa, put, put Kate under center, which to their credit, they've finally been doing that. Do the brotherly shove if you need to, give it to Moffa. That was it. Was just kind of stupid, and usually those type of plays, you know, set the tone for the game. But yeah, that early Nate, Nate Wiggins was well. Nate Wiggins, I think, more than anything, really set the tone for the game. Yeah. So you know, still some some coaching, questionable coaching decisions there. You know, if it goes right, then you're happy. Um, I think if this one would have went right. Um, then you don't question it naturally. The Georgia Tech one, whether or not we got it or didn't, like it's still a dumb call um, in my mind. Yeah, maybe because it was senior day. Wanted to give Tyler Davis some love. You know, he's a great player, great career. But man, I never want to see him as a running back ever again in the next well, you don't uh, put final one, two games. You don't put one guy above the program, um, especially in a critical moment early in the game like that, because you're absolutely right. Like that could really set the tone of the game. Um. Fortunately, didn't. Clemson was able to overcome that. Um, but yeah. Um, so across the board in this North Carolina game, I think overall, my, you know, my take on it is that we took advantage of a really good team's mistakes and are a pretty good team ourselves, and we did what we had to do um, to win the game, right? And didn't shoot ourselves in the foot. 
um, or tried to shoot ourselves in the foot, but the defense was able to, able to overcome it. It wasn't a clean game by any stretch of the imagination. The offense was not perfect. The defense was not perfect. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But at least we saw a team that was on paper more talented than the team they were going up against. And then we went out there and beat them. And, you know, the matchup-wise, we were a much better team than North Carolina State. We're a much better team than Miami with a backup quarterback. And you saw what happened in those games, right? So at least this is turning a corner here. And you got a lot of momentum to build off of going into the South Carolina game this weekend and a bowl game. I think so. And, you know, one thing Mac Brown said, but I don't know if you heard this on the on – the, uh, on the broadcast, but he mentioned, you know, he fired up his players by, by having them raise their hand in the locker room. If Clemson recruited them. And I think like a total of four people, you know, raised their hands and that's, you know, that's well, no, he had way. him stand up if they didn't recruit him. If stand up. Okay. So everyone stood up. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, well, I think they found out that, you know, there's a reason that you were recruited to play at Clemson. Right? I mean, and that's not to say that Clemson's a great football program. North Carolina's had a you know terrific year. But there is a lot of talent, and that's the difference between these Tommy Bowden teams, too. No, no Tam, Tommy Bowden team ever had this much talent. So don't forget it. It's not to say that we're at the level that that's going to get you to the playoff or what a championship, but there's talent out there, and we're, we're a lot better than our 7-4 record. I think, I think we're starting to, to show that. Talent-wise, we certainly are. Um, I would say our, we are our 7-4 record right now, though. Like, I don't think we're any better or any worse team than that right now. Sure. Given our schedule, maybe we're, maybe we're more of like a, you know, eight and three, but, but sure. Um, okay. Well, let's get into the offense here and start with them. Um, I want to start with Will Shipley after um, he got knocked out of that North Carolina State game, wasn't able to play in the Notre Dame game. He's really come back as a different back these last two games. Now he had still the critical fumble in the red zone in this game, but we really saw him playing with a chip on his shoulder and running with a different gear, a different motor. He was um, more quick in his decision-making to turn up field and just run into people and then also showed some patience in finding some holes at times. So I don't know what clicked in that time. Um, he was just pissed off, like, you know, RG3 was saying on the broadcast. Um, but it's great to see Will play at this level again, because that's the Will Shipley that we all thought we were going to get coming into the season. He did it uh, with 126 yards on the ground. He did it with 53 yards through the air, had the touchdown in this game. And, I still think sometimes in the red zone, we're running in too much. I like to see Moffitt in there, but really what a great, when both those guys are clicking, like what a great combination of backs they are. If you use them the right way. Agreed. I think it's all about how they've been using them. And I, I, you know, I posed the question to Tolly a couple of episodes ago, like how much better is, it's not a question of who's better. It's how much better is Phil Moffitt than Will Shipley. And I may walk that back a little bit because Will Shipley, he's good. He's proven it the last two weeks. I still think Maffa is, is is slightly better, and I think he deserves those starter reps. And I think there's something to be said for you know you mentioned how they're used. I think he he wears the defense down a little bit more, and it, you know his numbers don't 
look as good as Shipley's, but I don't think that's indicative of how well he played. He just didn't have, he didn't have the one big run. Shipley had a couple of those, but there were a couple of times where he was an arm tackle away from having a big run, but there's something to be said, I think, given him something, I think it was about 60, 40 is the distribution. And I think that's a perfect distribution. I think, I think, you know, earlier it had been something like 70, 30, where Will Shipley was getting the 70. And I re- I really like Moffa getting the starter starter snaps and you know Shipley's great and totally mentioned you know he provides more diversity out of the backfield and you saw that and that does matter um, but ultimately I really like I really like how they're set up now and I hope they both come back next year <laughs> I hope at least one of them comes back it's unlikely but I, I think it really it really sets the tone for the offense when you're not constantly behind the chains and you know credit to the offensive line I don't know what's going on it looks it does look like more zone blocking um, but clearly they're getting more push well, unfortunately, the chatter is um, on the interwebs is that Shipley will not be coming back next season, whether that means he's going to the draft or is going to transfer. Um, and, you know, a few of those, spe- uh, some of that speculation was just taken from words that came out of his own mouth. And last game in Death Valley, he admitted to and stuff like that. Like, I don't see him as a, especially with running backs in the NFL and how they're used and how they're drafted. I just don't see him going to the draft right now. You, you don't see him go, or you, you can't. I, see I don't him see him going taken in the draft right now. I see. Um, of course, you know who knows what he could have done with a better uh, performing offensive line the past three years, and you know the previous two years he, he put up great numbers. Um, but kind of going back to the 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 point, I know we were quick after the Notre Dame game to be like Moffat should be the starter, but really more that I think about it is it really should be situational, right? Not this guy's the starter and this guy's the starter. We're going to run with this guy first, give him a few series and run with this guy. I think it really is situational um, depending on what's going on in the game, where you out, where you're at on the field, but also what type of defense you're playing. If you're playing a defense that's really stacking the box to stop the run, then I like running Moffa, right? More of a bruiser running back. Um, if you have a defense that is not going to stack the box and, um, you know, devote more attention to stopping in the passing game, which we haven't seen this year because of our inability to pass downfield. Um, then I like Shipley in that situation. You get him out in space. Um, but then when you get in game, I totally agree with you that because we've been f- facing these teams that have really been gearing up to stop our run, I like Moffa going first to start to wear down the defense and then things start to open up, right? And that's when Sh- Shipley. I think has a greater effect and being able to get him out in the open field. Now, when we get near, down near the goal line, um, I still think it should be Mafa running it um, a little bit better ball protection and tends to push the pile more um, or you get creative and you have the two back sets, right? I, I've been saying this all year, like, you know, you, you, on these short yardage plays, especially when they weren't putting Kate under center and they were, we were having such a difficult time getting two yards against like say Duke you got to use you got to use Mafa, but I, the coaches really haven't used that kind of model of of, of playing to the player's strengths. It's just kind of like, hey, it's your it's the third series. It's your it's your time, Shipley. But I, I agree with you. The, I guess the hard part is just knowing play to play if the defense will stack the box, um, so it, it becomes more difficult to predict. But I know I I think I do think you're right, um, and I will say. You know, we could talk more about Cade. I think he had a, a really good game, maybe the best game he's had all year. Part of that is him being used in the run game. And he had, and he's, you know, I don't know to what extent he's getting the, his number is called versus he's making the read. He seems to have been, he, he was more judicious against North Carolina. I think he made a lot of the right calls. He does have good speed, especially when he aggressively just tries to get upfield and doesn't try to do the Kelly Bryant, I'm going to juke you. 
um, thing. So I, when he's able to, you just, he doesn't have to be like 20 snaps a game or 20, um, excuse me, 20 carries a game just needs to be selectively six or seven. That makes such a big impact. I think that's what helped open some running lanes as well. Um, well, he had 12 in this game. And I think the most questionable one was um, right there at the end of the first half um, where it's third, what third and goal from the four. Um, you got like 12 seconds on the clock. He goes back and he just sits back there way too long holding the ball. Then he decides to take off and run. So at that point he has to get the end zone or we don't get points. And Dabo came out and admitted as much. He's like, you know, we tell, tell the guy, you got to throw away the ball. You know, we got to live to play another play. Now great that he made it in theoretically. Um, I haven't, <laughs> I didn't go back and closely watch it, but I, I say that's just one of those plays that goes either way, right. Throughout the course of a football game. That wasn't like the refs. Um, making calls for Clemson. Um, but you still have those decision-making issues with Cade where he really gets into a, um, to a point where he seems like he's trying to play hero ball. Now, Dabo made a really good point out, a really good point that in his t- entire college career or high school career, I believe the stat is, is he only played in one game that was decided by less than double digits. <clears throat> so he's used to just being able to, playing with such superior talent, right? He came out of high school playing with such superior talent. He could just throw up the ball um, and and plays what happened. He can't do that now in college. And I think he's just getting acclimated and it's going to take some time to transition <clears throat> from his mentality of what he had in high school throughout now his first full season, starting as a quarterback um, to, to really adapt to the college game and adapt to uh, the more equal playing field as far as the talent goes and overall just better talent than you see in high school. And I think, you know, looking at that in hindsight, it explains a lot. I think going into next year, that's where we really want to see the huge improvement in that aspect of the game where he's, and he's already done it this year. Um, You know, he's gotten less antsy in the pocket. So he has made improvement, but I think coming into next year, we really want to see him be mentally sharp at that quarterback position. Yeah. The, the run at the end of the half, like I, I know it, it worked out because it was you know, like you said theoretically he scored a touchdown. Uh, it was it was a bad play in the moment, and it was just by like pure luck. And even like if you look, there was no running lane there. There was a linebacker sitting right there that just you know completely like whiffed on the tackle. Um, so to to your point, decision making has to get better for Cade. And there's something about it. You, it's the same in golf. Like professional golfers, it's it's all about like you know having like you know having good misses and and eliminating the downside risk and it's the same like like running backs are the same they get into college and they they try to like make every play into a you know 70 yard td run and they finally realize many of them never realize in college but you watch an nfl back on sunday those guys know how to get six yards if it's there and that if if kate could learn that yeah that would be it would do wonders it's you know especially in a a college offense that does have some playmakers um, or, you know, it's getting a little bit better on the outside. Now the Kate's credit, um, the bad decision aside, the effort was absolutely amazing. Uh, Tiger illustrated illustrated did a snapshot of where he was um, starting to run from the six yard line. And there was one defender like already on his legs. There was a linebacker who had him, you know, dead to rights and then you had a defensive back coming over for help and he had six yards to go and their their question was like some f- future civilization 2000 years 
from now is going to see this photo and wonder how the hell he got in. <laughs> and I was like, that's a good point. That's when good. you saw the image, you're like, man, that took some athleticism to get in there. So, I mean, the kids got that for sure. And Dabo, um, you know, said in his presser, uh, either yesterday or today, previewing the South Carolina game, is that, you know, he's got about 10 more pounds to fill out on that frame. Um, and when he does that, if he's able to keep his mobility, he's going to become more of a effective runner. Yeah. And well, let me add, you know, if you look at like the dichotomy of DJ and Kate, it's almost like the exact opposite. DJ became like really gun shy after um, Georgia almost murdered him in 2021 in the opener. And it was like, he was just every clearly in his head. And then you have the reverse or the opposite of that, which is Cade, who's like, he thinks he's Trevor Lawrence, but he just doesn't have quite the tools. Um, but I think, you know, not to say anything for who you would take or who's better, but I think you want the guy with the mindset that thinks he is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and you can dial that back rather than trying to get someone like DJ and, and try to ask him to ratchet it up. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. I mean, part of this is on Cade and his development. Um, some of it is just hasn't had the same level of effective talent around him. The offensive line until recently, until they've moved to the simplified zone blocking uh, scheme, we're, we're not getting pushes in the run game, but all of a sudden we start getting our run game going and then you're more balanced on offense and teams have to respect the run game. And so that opens some other opportunities. And then also you have seen guys step up at wide receiver, um, you know, Tyler Brown is a true freshman. Has had a great year. It's unfortunate Williams has been hurt. Doesn't look like he'll play in the South Carolina game. Um, but Adam Randall had some great catches in this game and some great throws by Cade um, to him. Um, Brenning Stoll has come on and been an effective part of the offense lately. And then Troy Stilato, man, that guy. Wh where would we be without him this year? Somebody we thought may never see the field. And like, poor guy. He is with all the injuries that he's had, and we hear we hear about he has like glass bones, and every play it seems like he almost gets knocked out. He's always the dirtiest, like his jersey is always the dirtiest guy on the field, like it's covered in grass stains, and like he's always like hobbling off. He reminds me of you know the the viral internet video of Scott Sterling, the soccer goalie that just keeps getting hit in the head, but just make it always stops it and makes these amazing plays. And like they had to prop him up on a chair because he's like so out of it. It's like that. This every time I see Stilato come limping off the field and back in there, that's what I think of. It, it's so funny you say that. I, I was rewatching some of the game and I thought, oh my god, he's the Rocky Balboa of wide receivers because <laughs> he every play, every catch he has, he limps off the field and I, and every time i think oh i guess he's out for the season and he comes back and he's he's in the next drive and yeah, he makes and, a play yeah and part of it is k just kind of leaving him out there um <laughs> with his throws but also i don't know he just has a target on his back just every time he touches the ball there's like one guy that's about to you know knock him off his rocker but you know good for him to hang in there and stay healthy this year i, I think there's a huge upside for him um, yeah, he, he's not some scrappy Hunter Renfro yeah. walk-on and, and nothing. Obviously, Hunter Renfro was plenty talented, but he's not like he's a good player. He can catch. He has some speed. He, he's just he knows what I think he he's better. And so is Tyler Brown. And when, when the play breaks down at running himself open. And I think that you've, you've seen that on display. 
And yeah, he's he's talented. I believe he came in as a four star, maybe a top one fifty player. I believe so. Like you, you see the talent, you just also see the glass uh, frame. Yeah. Uh, which again, to his credit, he's stuck in there this year and taking the hits. Um, but you still see how much the injuries have affected, how how thin they've made this wide receiver room. When you see um, Ronan Hannafin, you know the true freshman out there going for deep balls <laughs> in this game. Yeah. It's another one of those moments you're like, what, we're really down to that? And I, I believe Randall, uh, you know, Jarrett mentioned it, and I think I've heard it, uh, that he has a broken, he's playing with a broken hand. So I oh, I don't think. Randall or Collins? Randall. Oh, Randall. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I suppose that's true. Um, but I mean, if, if that's the case, like there's probably a whole nother level that he has to offer. Like if, you know, if you're playing with a broke, broken hand or a hurt hand, like I just can't imagine you're, you're going to be your top. So maybe there's a whole nother level that he has. And all of a sudden the re- receiver core, assuming, you know, it's Troy Salato could stay healthy. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it, but, uh, and then bringing along Tyler uh, Brown as well. And then Antonio Williams coming back, like that's starting to look like a pretty good receiver core. And, and I think you got to give Tyler Grisham a raise. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> I beg to differ on that one. You got Bo Collins too, right? Like when he's healthy, he has shown, you know, a modicum of improvement this year. You nobody expects him to go pro, right? I mean, I don't know. And yeah. got on a team. I don't know. You know, Bo, Bo's been so hit or miss. It's, uh, you know, I don't want to speak ill of him, but it seemed like the team, he wasn't very missed on Saturday. Let's just he, say that. He's made a lot more, uh, more plays fighting for the ball this year and going up and making really tough catches that he's battled for that I haven't seen him do in years past. He still has the dropsies. Like, would that's you, still become an issue. Would you chalk that up to great coaching and player development that you've seen this type of improvement? No, would I you, would, would chalk, you credit chalk it up to not great coaching and lack of development <laughs> because I think his ceiling is much higher. Yeah, well, yeah, he's he has gotten a little bit better in the 50-50 department, so I'll give him credit. Um, just a fine example of coaching, I would say. Yeah, so so overall in this offense, what I still really see lacking is I just I still don't know what the identity of this offense is. Um, and maybe it's being a little bit unfair asking for that to be obvious right now, considering the issues we've had on the offensive line, the attrition at the wide receiver position, um, and some erratic play from your quarterback this year. But I, I still don't know, like, what Garrett Riley's offense is all about, right? They can talk about the way TCU played last year. Well, I watched one TCU game last year and they, I don't think they scored <laughs> the <laughs> national championship game. Maybe they get seven. Um, so I, I don't know what that style of play is. So that's something I, it's like back in the Deshaun and Trevor days, like there were plays where I just recognize. So there's that one. You see that all the time. You kind of, you know, you can tell what's coming. You feel confident about it. But with, with, with this offense, I really, I don't see it yet. I, I, well, I agree. And it, it's strange that you haven't really seen him leave his, his, you know, his print on the, on the, on the team or on the offense. And I, I can't really see how it's too much, how it's distinguished from Brandon Streeter. And there's, there's also not a lot of plays where I'm like, that's a genius play. Sometimes a good offensive coordinator and you see it in the NFL all the time, 
they just press the right button. I haven't really seen a lot of that. And I can't say, and you know, you, you could harp on Streeter, but he did, he did introduce some creativity last year. That said, I still like it. I still like the hire. I still like him as our offensive coordinator. I still have, I, I'm still buying his stock. Yeah. Well, I mean, he turned around TCU, you know, when you look at their uh, talent level um, in their recruiting, it's not nearly the same as Clemson's. So um, I do think we probably got a little ahead of ourselves expecting this to be a drastic turnaround this year when you're, um, you know, replacing a starting quarterback and um, you've got otherwise the same guys right on the roster that you had the year before that and the year yeah. before that. And I don't, I don't know what to what extent not having your assistant coaches, hand selected assistant coaches. I don't know. I, I can't, I can't imagine any offensive coordinator is going to be thrilled about just taking what's what's there and not introducing his guys. So, I think because of that, you have to at least give him a little bit more leash, a little bit more um, leeway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I would say this: I guess the identity that of the Clemson offense this year is that it takes about 10 minutes to put together a drive to the red zone (laughs) and then about another seven minutes to either turn the ball over, miss a field goal or getting, get it in the end zone. They're just like, we can do nothing quickly on offense, which is weird because you remember back in the day with the, you know, the Deshaun teams, the Trevor teams, it was almost like there were so many big plays and they were scoring so fast. We were like, oh my gosh, we need to slow this down a little bit to give the defense time to rest. Not a problem anymore. Hmm. Defense has plenty of rest. Maybe that's why they're so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think that's a, I'm not going to put all of that on Cade, like the the red zone, but I think a lot of that is, it becomes, there's there's less space on the field and it's all about timing and quarterback decision making and I, I put I do put a lot of that on 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 him and I think he'll get better though I think mean, I think we're already seeing it a little bit yeah and listen we got one more game this year um, in the regular season against South Carolina coming up then we'll have bowl practice which you oftentimes see a lot of these young guys really make a big leap um, and then we've got the bowl game so I think we've got really two games you know, left this year to end the season nine and four and, and set us up feeling good about going into next year. If this team continues um, to not make the same mistakes it was making earlier in the season and they can just continue to improve, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. A lot of good momentum. And that's something you can say about this offense. They, it looked like they were getting worse and they were, they were getting worse uh, around Miami and NC state, but they're quickly getting better. Something happened behind the scenes. Uh, it could be Tyler, probably was Dabo. And I don't mean Tyler Brown. I think we all know who you meant. Um, all right, let's flip it over to the defense. Okay, Cody, you were one of the people earlier in the season. Um, I couldn't really exactly pick out which one, which handle you were on TigerNet, um, but calling for Wes's head. How do you now feel about that? Well, let's let's get the record straight, Ben. I have multiple handles on TigerNet <laughs> where I'm going after. Uh, well, I'm 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 praising uh, Grisham and I'm going after Wes Goodwin. I I still feel fine about it. I, I can I can definitely single you out if you're praising Grisham. Grisham. There's probably one guy in there that does it. <laughs> That's Dale. Uh, anyhow, um, no, I so my, my critique of Wes has never ever been we should fire him and when things aren't going well like let's fire him so please 
my critique is the same critique that I saw of the offense in 2018, but really 2019, 2020. I, I could see it not reinventing itself. I could see there was like, I, I saw all that talent and take 2019 as a prime example. Like Trevor Lawrence, well, I'm not going to say he should have won the Heisman, but he shouldn't have had as poor of a year as he had. Uh, there was so much talent and the LSU offense and granted, you know, look at the guys in, in the NFL that play on Sundays and will make pro bowls. You know, there was plenty of talent there, but there was, all, there was just as much for Clemson. They shouldn't have dogged us like that. in the Natty. So to me, it was, there's something like, there's something missing with the offense. And I'm not saying that's the exact same thing with the defense. It's just, I'm going to grade the defense based off their talent level. And that's, that's what it is. And I, and I, I do have a pretty good, uh, and we, we all have a pretty good measuring stick of what a good defense can look like based off of talent levels, because we could use Brent Vittables as that. So if he's, you know, you're, if he's the gold standard, why can't we be pretty close to that every year? That's all I'm saying. And it's the same argument for like, you don't have to have Brandon Streeter. You're Clemson University. You have the best salesperson CEO in the game. He can go out and get a Garrett Riley. Why can't he also go get another Brent Venables? They're there. So all I'm saying is if best is really standard, why aren't we, you know, is, is West going really the best that we can, that we can, and that's not to say he he's done poor that we should fire him. It's just, it's just an honest question. And um, all that said, there's been a leap. I, I think they played up to their, you know, I think they played up to their talent level on Saturday. Um, it's just, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'd also know more if we had a better offense. So it's it's tough to grade. But I'm not saying let's fire him. Well, clearly it's one of the best defenses in the country this year. Um, and I think the exciting part for me, you know, obviously you have the established guys across the defensive line and Tyler Davis and Rook and XT. Justin Maskell has played better than I thought he he, he would this year. Um, but then you have the infusion of young guys, right? The Woods, the Parkers on the defensive line, DeMonte Capehart really coming into his own. Uh, Wade Wood has in his second year um, playing good at the linebacker position. Obviously, two um, <clears throat> three-year guys in Trotter and um, Carter. Um, but then the secondary that has really just stepped up and played out of their minds this year, especially at the cornerback position. Give Mike Reed another raise, by the way. And I think that's what really excites me. I've seen Wes put together, um, you know, whereas maybe last year we had a lot of talent and they underperformed maybe a little bit or you were a little bit questioning still if he was the right decision. Um, this year, you've really seen this. I mean, without this defense um, this year, then – um, you know, we lose the Wake Forest game. We uh probably lose the North Carolina game. Um, and you could argue that we lose the the Notre Dame game with the way we played, right? So they've been a bright spot. They've kept us in a lot of games. They've kept the team from looking worse and allowed the offense to grow up while not uh, w- w- with it not being or not leading to a disaster of a season. So, and I'm really excited about the future. I mean, we know the guys that we're going to lose. We were concerned about how we were going to look at defensive end uh, going into next year. Um, but we got Parker now. Um, you'll have Denoff coming back with good experience. So you're feeling better about that. You know, at the linebacker position, I am starting to wonder, you've got Carter and Trotter who are both juniors right true juniors three-year guys they can certainly go into the draft but they're not at the top of draft boards right now in that first round and you know Dabo 
suggestion to these guys and his advice is if you're not in that first round, it's not worth going, especially now that we have NF NIL and we can pay you now earlier in the season and coming into the season, we just assumed those guys were going to be gone. But now we think about the potential of them coming back next year. And part of that, I think dropping their draft stock too is, especially with Carter, there have been some struggles in the run game this year and, and missed assignments and blown gaps that have led to a lot of these big runs that happened in the North Carolina game as well. They played overall. It happened in the North Carolina game with some of those big runs. So now I'm starting to look forward to the future and being like, okay, I feel really good about defensive line. I feel great about the secondary linebackers could be really legit next year and help us bridge a pretty wide gap between the current starters and what we may have to run out there with next year if we don't hit the portal. So the, the only thing about Trotter is he is he was injured early in the season, and you could see. And he, he him and Carter haven't played up to how to their talent level all season. And I think a lot of that with Trotter has been injuries. He's getting healthy, and he's starting to play like a first-rounder. So I can't help but wonder if he's probably, at, at worst, going to fall to a second-round pick at this point. Um, Carter, on the other hand, and by the way, this was another critique of, of Wes Goodwin is the linebacker play. It's like, these guys are just not playing to their potential, but, um, Carter, I think you can make a strong case because I just can't imagine him putting together a, a you know, two, two game stretch at this point. That's going to get him into a first or even second round consideration. So yeah, if you, if you can bring one of those two back, I feel a lot better about the defense and. I was worried that the talent level was falling off, you know, when I looked at year over year, but I, you know, I think we've had some bad luck in recruiting, you know, we're getting a lot of four star guys. A lot of them haven't worked out. And in, in the, for the 15 to 20 run, we had a lot of four star guys and we we're hitting on them and not only hitting on them, a lot of them ended up being all or, uh, all conference and all Americans. I think we finally hit on a defensive class, uh, call it luck, call it good evaluations, where that's a that's a class that can anchor you and, and you know give you a really solid foundation when you talk about you know like you said Peter Woods, um, T.J. Parker, and then on on the back end uh, with with some of those guys in the secondary, uh, Terrell and, and and so on. There's a lot of promise there. Um, like you said, yeah, linebacker. I mean, Sammy Brown, huge pickup, huge pickup, and he will play. But what, how much can you really expect from a true freshman at linebacker? Yeah, it's hard, um, and we still don't know who or what uh good one is as a linebackers coach right we're we're learning what he is as a defensive coordinator so what's his ability to, to develop these younger talents right away when they come in um and I, I mean i think another big part of that um obviously that affects the team going into next year is really the emergence of of only fans as popular amongst the kids and and third grade teachers um because we lost studley dudley um to that and he was expected to play a role this season um, and be a starter next year. Yeah. And I, I couldn't even tell you who, I mean, can even tell you who's, who's the next man up at linebacker. It's, it's pretty bad. Um, well, let's see, let's look at the death chart here. Um, I mean, I know, I know Kobe McLeod. Kobe is, McLeod's is behind he, Trotter. I, I think he's probably going to get less than 200 snaps this year. That's not a good sign. Uh, Wade Woodhouse is behind Carter at the will. Should he go down? Um, and then Jamal Anderson at the Sam behind what as a very raw, but very high upside prospect. So true freshman. Yeah. Um, and the thing is with those true freshmen too, is you're not cycling 
in and out linebackers like you are guys across the defensive line or the secondary, right? Like your studs, Trotter and Carter, Carter playing the whole game. So there's a lack of playing time um, available for those guys. And when you're not blowing teams out the water, like we were during the playoff runs, like there's limited availability to get snaps. And so that real live game action is what you're going to be missing. And uh, especially as a linebacker being the quarterback of the defense, um, it's really hard to get acclimated to that without, you know, true game time. Yeah, and that's that's a prime example of where you would go and pick up a guy in the portal because you, I mean, it's a hard enough position. You just can't. It's the same same as quarterback. You just can't grab freshmen uh, from the portal. And same with offensive linemen. So it's like those are three obvious. You know, if you're going to use it, this is a great great time to do it. Uh, we we would be remiss if we did not mention more about Nate Wiggins and his development as a as a player. And uh, obviously the big play and not, I mean, that was, that was so, so important, but I'll give him a lot. We get, we dogged on him a little bit. I know I did in particular last year, you know, he was a little bit arrogant and, you know, you, you really can't be when you're not, when you're getting burnt and then you're getting burnt in uh, every two out of three plays and then you, you make a play and then you celebrate, but man, he's turned into a stud and maybe a potential first round pick. And I'll give him a ton of credit and I've enjoyed watching him. I saw him as the number seven overall pick on somebody's draft board that came out today on Facebook. So clearly a reputable source. If you had told me last year that he would be uh, a top, uh, a first round pick and Barrett Carter would be probably projected as a third or fourth round, like I was, you know, get out of here. Yeah. And, you know, Nate's had his uh, struggles this year. You know, there's been some discipline issues. He, he missed some tutoring sessions and didn't start a couple games. Um, but again, good to see him keep his head in there and bounce back. And then you just saw the effort. Um, you know, what a huge play that was to run down Hampton. Um, he also ran down Walker, um, uh, Tez Walker earlier in the game. Um, uh, uh, that was after the, was Hampton's first fumble right uh, within the red zone. So yeah, absolutely huge plays by Wiggins. Uh, again, you know, Walker had his moments, had some good plays, but he's just been draped all over folks. Um, I know sometimes you see corners get chatty and you don't want to see that in most guys, but I think you need that attitude as a cornerback. And I think he has that attitude and it's, it, it kind of sucks that we're not going to see him next year. Cause he should certainly go to the draft if his stock's that high. And we've got just one really great year. Um, of watching him but you know what Mike Reed keeps d doing it he keeps coaching out guys and churning them out right and that is a point where we talk about player development you look no further than the cornerback position at Clemson over the last several years um, you have Avian Terrell in this game um, you know with a lot of great plays um, and he's a true freshman playing cornerback out there. So that guy, you know, already looks like he'll be going to the NFL as a true freshman. Um, and, you know, moving past some of these upperclassmen already. Um, uh, Shelton Lewis is another true freshman. He's got a lot of playing time this year and increasingly more and more as the year has gone on. He was in, you know, a lot in this game and made some big plays. So, yeah, I just love the development of that position. Um, and it really takes a lot of pressure off your um, you know, the rest of your defense when you can cover for that long. Um, and that's what we're going to see in the South Carolina game coming up. Um, cause we're not going to have to cover that long against South Carolina, um, to get pressure on Rattler because South Carolina's offensive line is absolutely abysmal. Um, so even, you know, 
being able to with an elite secondary that we have, um, I think you're going to see in the way they played this year. I think we're going to see a phenomenal a monster game for the defensive line um, coming up in this one. But yeah, it all goes back to how well the secondary is playing and really can't speak enough about that. It's good to see a bunch of playmakers in the back end and that guys that, that are like that are getting interception, making force and fumbles. And that's nothing not to speak, you know, poorly of, of guys we've had in the past because we've had some studs. But it's just I have I don't I can't recall. I'd like to see the numbers, but I can't recall a year we've had this many. Let's just call them plays made interceptions and forced fumbles. Yeah. And again, and primarily and a lot of that by the young guys. Exactly. So, yeah, overall, just feeling really great. I mean, the defense has done a phenomenal job this year and really looking forward to what we're bringing back next year. And you pair a defense like this, like this, this defense this year, I think, is a national championship caliber level defense. It's certainly a playoff team type defense. But you pair this defense um, with an offense that can put up 35 points or more a game. Um, 40 points a game, then you've got a really good football team, especially if the offense is not turning the ball over and giving up points to the other team. You, I'm starting to see for the first time, like a vision for how it could improve the, as soon as next year. And I, I, and I, I still think there has to be some supplemental efforts. And I mean, through the transfer portal and it doesn't have to be a lot, but I think there's gotta be like three or five pickups. I don't think it'll, I mean, if I had to bet, I'd say it probably won't happen. But if you really want to make the playoff next year, that's that's the only path to do it. But I do see the groundwork or the foundation for a team that if guys play up to their potential, if Kate improves, where we could be back in that conversation as soon as next year. But if 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 that doesn't happen, I think there's just too many holes. Well, tweeted by Dabo Sweeney earlier, um, says the portal is a great tool for players and coaches. Sometimes people need a new place. Now, is that <laughs> foreshadowing? us bringing people in or just expected attrition? I mean, the only thing I don't, I can't square with, with Dabo and his, his, I, I get why he doesn't like the transfer portal, but it, it literally, it's a one-way portal. We're going to lose guys. We're going to, the guys that Avian Terrell has passed on the depth chart. I'd expect one of those guys to leave who are, are you just going to leave. You're going to put Hamp Green out there at corner. I don't, I don't know. How I know, many, right. He's an inch shorter than me. At, at, at five nine, you know. At, well, at least I thought you're like five eleven according to your dating profiles. So <laughs> keep getting taller. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's it, you've got to. I think you've got to. You got to pick up a, a, a few guys, and yeah, linebacker is going to be. You got guys on only only fans. You, you you're going to have some attrition there. How do you how do you build an eighty five person roster if you're going to if you're not going to su you know supplement through the transfer portal. Well, you know, I think Davo probably he's he might be slow to evolve to these things um as he patiently and carefully figures out how to do it his own way and not um kind of have a detrimental effect on the culture of the program. And I can certainly appreciate that. Um but I do think you're right to compete um, year in and year out, and you're gonna have to go in there to the portal. Um, and I think this off season now, obviously Dabo has to know who he's replacing. So part of it is you need some of these guys to make decisions, right? And need to know that sooner than later. 
Um, but I don't know. That is, that's an interesting quote from Davo. I haven't heard him talk about the portal that way, so that gives me optimism. The one thing about Davo, because he is great at everything he does, and maybe the best, if he did set his mind to being to putting talent acquisition, like I think he did that early on, and that's how Sammy Watkins ended up coming to Clemson and and some of those other guys. When you're like, wow, why is a five star receiver coming to Clemson? We just finished. What did we finish that year? Six and five. You know, if Davo really sets his mind to it, it, it not only can be you know a nice little supplemental benefit, it can be a strong through the program. It's it's how much Dabo wants to be great at it. And that's, that's the thing. It's like, I think that, that we hold Dabo to a high standard because he's so great. It's like, man, if you just shifted gears and focused on talent acquisition, you know, not just through the portal, but through NIL and another efforts, we could get back to, I think having, you know, having T Higgins and having, you know, you know, a, a locker room full of studs at the, at the skill position uh, position. So uh, yeah. We'll we'll see what goes. Um, I I did not hear that quote from Dabo though, so that's interesting. Yeah, check the podcast uh, text thread more often, bro. It was uh, today at ten fifty six a.m. from Jared. You know, I I try to keep up the best I can. I know you got a, you got a six month old. Um. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll see how that plays out um here in the offseason but still have two games left to play so um you know on special teams i guess the only thing i'd say i think we heard that aiden swanson is returning today so that is just absolutely phenomenal the kids had a great year i do wonder about jonathan whites though in hindsight um if we kind of uh inhibited robert gunn the thirds uh potential progression this year uh by bringing whites on and really, you know, Gunn obviously needs the experience out there on the field. And it's not like we're playing for even an ACC title this year. But I think by the time you got him on the team um, and we still had opportunities in front of us to go on and play in the ACC ch- championship game, potentially, um, that once you got the kid here and he gave up his job in New York, that you got to like, you can't take the job away. Yeah, I yeah, I'm sure that's part of it, but it's not like Whites has been doing a bang up job either. So I'm, I'm at least you. he's just barely. All his kicks are close. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, they look good coming off his foot. They just miss. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what they say about like, three point shooters, right? They're close. Yep, horseshoes and hand grenades. Um, Okay, well, that wraps it up for the the UNC game. Again, a 31 to 20 uh, victory by Clemson. It could have been 34 to 20 if White's not missed that field goal. Um, but at this point in the season, we don't care how we get the wins. Yes, the offense wasn't perfect. Yes, there were some busts on the defense with the long runs. But to be sitting here at seven and four, um, you know, after the four and four start. Um, and how bad we look coming off of the the Miami the NC State games and with you know still in the hardest part of our schedule with ranked Notre Dame and North Carolina teams coming up I think you have to be really um, happy about how this team has rebounded this year and you know again I, I mentioned this we're already here at the end of the season we have run regular season game left and you really even when things are going bad you really have to try to enjoy um, each year in college football from game to game because the season does go by so quick. And before you know it, we're going to be chomping at the bit here in January 
um, for next year, right? Waiting for those eight months to go by. Um, it was hard to feel up about this team after those two losses, two bad losses in the middle of the year. But um, again, um, coming back around, really excited about the South Carolina game coming up this weekend. Um, we owe them some revenge um, from last year. So, I mean, the ex-president is coming, for God's sake. That's how big of a game it is. Shane Beamer was like, that lets you know how many people's eyes are on this football game. And I'm like, Shane, I don't know if that's it. Follow politics. <laughs> You make yourself think that he's yeah. there to see you. He's there to see a guy who rejoiced in a in a cooler full of mayo dumped on his head. I, I don't know what you're, you're referencing there, but um, I, I, yeah, Didn't they won they that. won the Mayo Bowl one year, and and apparently tradition is you get a Gatorade cooler full of mayonnaise dumped on your head, which uh, is something I know you would really, really love to experience. I, I thought I thought Donald Trump had mayo dumped on his head. Anyhow, okay, did not realize that. That makes that makes a lot more sense than what I was thinking. Anyhow, we're projected right now to go to the Holiday Bowl and play USC. I doubt that'll pan out, but that would be a great way to end the season. You know, beat beat South Carolina, beat them by a lot. Go play at least a decent team with good brand recognition. Beat them. It's good for recruiting. Gives us a lot of momentum going into next year. We're we're in the best spot we could be, you know. Especially looking back after the NC State game, like this is the best case scenario. Uh, so I, I'm, yeah. I think there's there's reason for a little bit more excitement, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think we're in a good spot. Well, that can all change really quickly if there's a loss this Saturday in Williams Bryce. So uh, let's not count our chickens yet. No. Well, some some pun intended on that one. Um, okay, Cody. Um, you know it's big rivalry weekend in college football. Um, looking across the college football slate, though, there's really only I'd say one big game this weekend that's going to matter. Um, well, from a hype standpoint, um, and that's going to be the the Ohio State Michigan game. Um, you know, two teams that, that Clemson really historically doesn't like, um, or at least I don't historically like. I think Clemson has more of a thing against Ohio State, and now I think we all have a reason to to hate Michigan. Um, who are you going for in this game? Do you care? I, you know, I, I'm going for Michigan. I, I I don't like either one particularly, but I I, re I really don't like Ohio State. I think they're the team that I dislike the most. Ah, George is right there. But I, I'll go for Michigan over Ohio State for sure. Will they win? Eh, I don't know. Well, Ohio State's a recruiting battle for us, right? We go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them in recruiting, whereas Michigan, not so much. So, um, yeah, I think from that aspect, maybe you want to see Ohio State win. Um, but, I don't know, it should be an interesting game. I love how all these Big Ten, like, major, like, huge matchups, uh, because they're on Fox, always end up at 9 a.m., I guess Fox doesn't get primetime games. That's all for ABC. Um, but yeah, just an odd time for like really the marquee game of the weekend. Um, so be it. Hey, Clemson, South Carolina got the 730 time slot, baby. All eyes on, on Columbia, South Carolina. All eyes on Columbia. All right. Well, I think that about wraps us, wraps it for us. Um, Cody, you've gotten a few podcasts in this year. Good to have you back. Um, it was awesome for us to get down to the to the Notre Dame game. You know, 
try to get to a game every year. It's been a while since, you know, I've been back in Clemson. Usually my games are road games, but um, yeah, cool to see the campus. We had great weather for that game. Um, and I just, every time I walk into that stadium, we were talking about it and you mentioned it on the podcast after the, um, you know, that we talked about it at the game, but just that experience in Death Valley is just second to none, um, in my opinion. Um, just coming down the hill from campus and you start to see into the bowl from the hill into the west uh, end zone, like it's just magical. So, um, gotta appreciate it. Um, even in the losses, it's a, it's a special place. I agree. It was it was it was an amazing time, and we it did not seem like there was it was a four and four team playing there. the The fans were electric, and I could see why a recruit, despite our record, would still want to come to Clemson. And uh, hey, look, we're we're seven and four on our way to eight and four. Let's keep it rolling. All right, folks. Well, we'll be back with you after the South Carolina game this weekend. Hopefully, uh, rejoicing in victory. Um, and until then, and as always, go Tigers. Thank you.